Welcome to the Wedding Film Academy podcast, your go-to source for learning to create stunning wedding films and run a successful business. Here's your host, Lumix Luminary and wedding filmmaker, Jordan Bunch. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Wedding Film Academy podcast. I am thrilled today because today we're going to be talking um, really about this whole mindset of what it means to be both a shooter and editor. One of the things that I have uh, loved and sort of admired about what um, so many different people do is that as they're shooting, they're really thinking about what they're doing in the edit. And and the edit does so much to both inform what they're going to shoot, but also how they shoot. And also it has just, uh, I noticed that over time, especially with my team, those who are shooting Um, excuse me, those who are editing are vastly improving their shooting in a much more uh, rapid pace. And so I wanted to chat with my great friends, Sarah and Rick Pendergraf. Thanks for coming on, guys. Thanks for having us again. Absolutely. So if you don't know Sarah and Rick, then you've probably been living under a rock, but uh, they are from Penn Weddings. Uh, They have really incredible work. Uh, award-winning filmmakers. They actually won uh, a few years ago the WPPI. Um, I forget what they call it, but the the Grandmaster Filmmaker Award, whatever it's called, right? <laughs> um, we got one of the wedding awards. We didn't get Grandmaster, but <laughs> well, you know, whatever they whatever they call it, right? They call it something like that. Who knows what they call it? We're going to call it Grandmaster today because uh, I think that's a that's a worthy title. The further away it gets, it gets more glorious. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's like a fishing story, you know? Yeah. We're going to add Jedi on next week. So, <laughs> um, actually, it's funny enough. I, I just thought about this the other day. Is I actually found out about you guys probably, um, I don't know, maybe six years ago. I had a second shooter who I was training up. And I asked her, because she told me, she was like, yeah, I just like watch wedding films as a hobby. And she told me, I asked, okay, cool. Who's your, who's your favorite wedding filmmaker? And she said, Pin Weddings. And so that was like my first introduction to you guys is having my second shooter tell me that y'all were her favorite. So yeah, cool little story. She's actually, she's in Europe now, so we don't really chat anymore, but, (laughs) um, well, so you guys are up to a lot lately. Talk to me, update me on what you guys are up to. We uh, just kicked into uh, kind of a busy travel season. Um, so yeah, we I, ironically enough had a pretty slow summer, but like spring and fall, super busy. Um, I've heard that from a few different people, so maybe it's not just us. Um, but also getting ready for the uh, retreat, wedding film retreat coming up in February nice. in Mexico. That sounded really lame how I just said that, didn't it? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's pretty much what just came out. (laughs) Um, We're going to Puerto Vallarta. Uh, So pumped. Obviously, yes, you will be there, which we are so excited about, um, as well as Matt Davis with Life Stage Films and Studio Sherpas and Matt and Pacey Harris of Film Poets. so it is going to be an awesome time. And as of this recording, we have three spots left. Three out of 30 spots still open. So so nice. if you're on the fence, get off the fence. It's time <laughs> yeah. to go. The That's villa right, we're going to yeah. be at is beautiful. The, the view is beautiful. The uh, education is going to be awesome. And the staff at, uh, at uh, the villa is amazing. I mean, they wait on, wait on you hand and foot. Awesome. They're so cool, and, and their chefs are, are amazing, and I can't wait to go back because they make the best Mexican food uh, you'll ever have. It's awesome. That's awesome. Very cool. Yeah, I am pumped just for the the good people I'm going to get to be around. I've talked to a number of people who, actually, there's several people who we've had on the podcast that are attending as well, um, so I'm excited to get to hang out more with them. I was actually at a bridal show this last weekend, and I ran into another filmmaker, and they were one of those people that's on the fence. So I know you're listening right now. Get off the fence. I won't call you out by name, but uh, <laughs> um, yeah. So tell me, 
for our listeners who maybe are on the fence, tell me what the wedding film retreat is. So we started this, um, well, the first, we did several last year, 2017, wanting to create something that was um, more than, you know, a a day in a hotel meeting room kind of event. Um, We want it to be a getaway. And we did try last year to make it not quite as long. Um, and we did six different locations all across the country. And while it was completely awesome, one of the main things we got in terms of feedback um, from people who attended was they did wish it could be longer. Like they felt like they got everything they wanted out of it, but would have loved, you know, one more day or two more days just to hang out and enjoy these locations. Yeah. So kind of the same thing we always say about working in the wedding world. The middle is the hardest place to be. You're better off either being a volume budget brand or high-end luxury. And so we made the decision. Um, I know it's a little tougher for people to travel, but we said this time we're going to make it more of a getaway. We're going to make it longer. Um, it's Sunday through Thursday. Take it somewhere that's truly a getaway. Yeah. Found this awesome yeah. villa in Puerto Vallarta. Um, we actually shot a wedding there. We shot a friend's wedding there, and we were like, this is perfect. Nice. So it is both a workshop it is both teaching and a getaway we want people to go learn we want them to hear from um, a variety of filmmakers we hope they take away a lot of knowledge a lot of things to apply to their business but we also want it to be that um you know leaving feeling refreshed and relaxed and ready to take on a new wedding season so it's it's a mixture of you know classes and teaching and we're going to get into a lot of nitty-gritty stuff, but it's also time to chill. It's a We're at a private villa overlooking the ocean. We have two infinity pools. Staff wow. that will be serving margaritas and, <laughs> you know, whatever uh, food and drink everyone wants. So, yeah, we, we want it to be an experience. We want everyone to learn. We want people to grow their business. But we also want them um, to feel refreshed and to relax and you know, I think we all get pretty stressed out, especially after the busy time, busy wedding season. And sometimes you need something to make you take a breather. And I think people come back more creative after stuff Mm. like that, after you've had a chance to just decompress a little bit. Um, I think it makes you more excited to sit back down to your next edit. So it is, it is learning and it is relaxation and fun. Um, And plus with the villa being right there on the ocean, if, right. if you've got the nerves of steel that I have uh, come to uh, acquire, you can get some really epic uh, drone shots flying nice. over the ocean back at the land. It's really, it's really a beautiful, beautiful place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see those like on the views, the the huge boulders out there in the water and everything. Just looks amazing. So excited. Yeah, that's great. The uh, the views reminded me of. Yes. I mean, it is, it's, uh, so it's on the Baja side, right? So, um, it's, uh, it reminded me of some of the views when I was in Washington state last year, just from like, you know, directly on the ocean, you're looking out and you've got those huge, you know, 50 foot high boulders, just a few, a few feet out into the water, that kind of thing where, uh, you know, us Texans don't get to see that kind of stuff too often. So, nor do we Oklahomans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's Pretty if you exciting. look up uh, Puerto Vallarta El Arco, that's what it's across from. Which we had shot in Cabo before, and Cabo has a very famous rock formation, El Arco. And so, when we were there, we were like, "Wait, they have their own." It just looks like giant rocks, but you hit it at the right angle, and it's got a little. Little arch rock arch formation over the oh, ocean. Cool. So it's a pretty famous rock formation too. Yeah. Nice. So Rick, are you gonna fly under the arch? You know, I I, no. I tried. Don't even, don't even. I thought about it the last time that we were there. <clears throat> don't encourage him. I flew out past. I flew out past the big boulder, and I started losing, you know, uh, RC signal. So I thought, yeah, going through it probably not. Probably not. Might not be the best idea. Yeah. So, yeah. well. We'll get a few margaritas in you and uh, and see if we can egg you on and make it happen. We got the new uh, Mavic 2 Pro the other day, so uh, I'm willing to test it out. Yes. Nice. 
I've been on the fence about that one or the zoom. I'm kind of leaning towards the zoom just because of the dolly zoom thing that you can do. I'm like, that looks amazing. It does look super cool, but we were like, nah, let's go for the better camera. Let's go for the yeah. better sensor. It's hard to beat that one inch sensor for sure. Well, awesome. I'm so excited. I am actually so excited because also because I'm bringing my wife with me. So that was a cool option that you guys gave to be able to have a, a honey package along with it. And if there are people on the fence, uh, I was uh, shocked at how reasonable y'all were able to make the price for such a wonderful location and awesome education on top of that. What is the, remind me what the price is for our listeners? Single occupancy is $1,700 and double occupancy is $1,300 per person. Nice. And that's all-inclusive Sunday through Thursday, dinner Sunday through breakfast Thursday. Um, wow. Includes wow. drinks, snacks, includes, you know, alcohol. I know people ask that a lot. Um, yeah. No, we're not planning on going too crazy, but yes, we want pe- people to know your margaritas are included in that too. <laughs> And if people do want to bring a spouse um, who will not attend the workshop, like the actual classes, but wants to come on the trip, hang out at the villa, um, that's an additional $300 just to cover the spouse's expenses. Um, Nice. So, yeah, it's, you know, we... um, That's amazing. Yeah, because I feel like I've been to a lot of resorts that it's more than that just for the all-inclusive aspect of it, and we're getting the awesome education as a part of it. So I'm pumped. Well, feel Thanks. free to tip uh, your waiters and, and uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, while you're there. No no doubt. Doubt. And that is one <laughs> of the things that made it possible was it's, um, this is a private villa. I think, you know, most people understand that, but you know, this isn't a typical hotel. Um, this is a private villa that gets rented out um, to individual groups. You can't just go book a room there. You have to rent the whole place. Um, and so that's one reason we were able to make the price work out like that um, is it's, you know, for how awesome of a place this is, they really, the price is really good. So yeah, no doubt. Yeah. We were excited that we could make that work. Awesome. Well, let's start chatting uh, more on topic here with the, uh, with the topic at hand. So um yeah, like I said, one of the things that has been so good for us, especially lately, and I'll, I'll brag on my my guy Marshall here. I know he'll be listening, but I'll brag on him um, that we brought him on as a shooter probably two years ago and as an editor. Um, it's probably only been like six months or so, but Taylor and I have just seen, and the whole team has seen, a dramatic improvement in both his shooting and his editing as he's put the both the two things together um and so i i think that that dynamic is so interesting and it's what uh you know people who just sort of pass off the full edit to someone else are going to miss out on is that opportunity to grow and um you know so so i'm interested to hear hear your thoughts um about about that relation, about how how your shooting informs your editing, how your editing informs your shooting. So let's talk first about um, on on the uh, the pre production side when you're working with a client beforehand. What are you doing on that side of things to really begin the process? You're already even beginning the edit in the pre production with your clients because I know how. Um, how closely you work with your clients. So talk to me even from that aspect. Yeah, we, um, we, you know, if you know our work, you know, we focus on storytelling and it really several years ago was just kind of a happenstance thing. We had this couple that had a really cool story about how they had like done things together as kids, like pictures of them together as four and five year olds drifted apart for years. And when they met up, um, you know, fell in love started dating or well started dating fell in love got married and that one was one of those things where we're like that's a really cool story i want to work that into their film somehow um and we had on a couple other occasions done more of like a sit down interview on a wedding day kind of thing when we had a story we knew we wanted to incorporate um 
but that one in particular, there wasn't time for that. Uh, the bride was getting her hair done. And I'm like, I know I want to get this said. I know I want to incorporate this somehow. And so I was like, if you're cool with the fact that your hair is going to be in curlers, can you, I mean, just say something about this like right now. And so she's really getting her hair done. She really is just hanging out with her girls talking. She tells them this story and we both were like, you know, that was really cool how that worked. It felt so natural, so candid. Um, and I mean, in large part it was, yes, she knew the camera was rolling. Yes. We wanted to make sure we got good audio. Um, but it really was this very candid moment. So that's something that we've tried to incorporate, um, a lot ever since then is, you know, a candid telling of the couple's story, hanging out with their bridesmaids, hanging out with their groomsmen. Um, so we always ask them ahead of time, you know, what is their story, both to get to know them, but to find out if that's something that we want to incorporate and what the best way is going to be to do that. Um, mm. You know, lots of times it is it is just sitting in their room while they're getting ready. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but if we know there's going to be an activity going on, that'll work out both shooting and audio wise. Um, we like to try to incorporate it in creative ways too. Like Rick had one a couple years ago where the guys went fishing. Yeah. The guys just went fishing. And so um, I put the mic on the groom and got a pretty far distance away from him, you know, kind of around a little cove on the other side. And so he was surrounded by all those guys and they're just throwing the lures in and, and, and cranking them back in. And I just said, Hey, just tell your guys, you know, this story and, you know, as if they don't know it. And a lot of times the guys don't know it and they'll start mm -hmm. chiming in. They'll start asking questions. And then you really get that great candid, um, real kind of conversation uh, between the groom and the, and the groomsman. And it was really cool. I thought just because of the, the fishing aspect is different than just sitting in the room. Uh, it was, you know, it was yeah. really cool to have him, you know, you know, in the motion of, of casting out and, and reeling it back in and telling the story at the same time. It, it really worked well. So we're always thinking about that ahead of time. Is there a particular way that we can tell the story differently? Um, I've done it at like the guys, you know, go out for lunch or whatever. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I'll put the mic on the groom and, you know, while they're still have their drinks, but haven't got their, their lunch yet and have him tell the story. <laughs> so they don't have a mouthful of food. Yeah. So have a mouthful <laughs> of food. It's a little noisier in a, in a restaurant, but I've, the couple times that I've done it, I've been able to ask the, the bar or the restaurant, Hey, can you, can you just turn the music down for just 10 minutes? Uh, while they do this this audio, and they've been more than happy and, and willing to do it. Nice. And we think about Lynn's choice too. We, I mean, we definitely have a particular style, a particular look. We gravitate towards. We really do love the compression of um, of a telephoto lens. I think we spend yeah. a lot more time than a lot of people on um, seventy to two hundred. But like, we had one wedding um, earlier this year where I knew. The client really wanted high energy. I knew these were the kind of people who were just going to goof off for the camera. Um, and and you really wanted an energetic feel. And so that one, I went into it knowing that I was going to shoot more um, close-up 50, 35. Um, so knowing the feel they wanted influenced the lens selection as well going into the day. And I even told the photographer, who was a good friend, I was like, you know, usually we shoot things from pretty far back. Um, but in this case, I'm going to try to get up close a lot. Not not like up close during the ceremony. It's not like I'm over their shoulder during the ceremony. But I was like, right. you know, when they're telling a story or when they're popping a champagne bottle, let me know when you've got what you need because I'm going to jump in and get stuff closer on a wider lens a lot for this wedding because I knew that would go more with the feel that they wanted. Mm. So lens selection, how we're going to tell a story, those are a couple big things that we're thinking of beforehand. Yeah. Dive a little bit deeper into the lens selection piece because typically I think most people's thought process with lens selection is just, um, okay, I'm going to go tight if I want a close-in detail. I'm going to go wide if I need to show more of the room. But you're talking about something very different because you said you will usually shoot telephoto from far back, but we're going to get... Um, you know, a wider lens and just scoot closer. So that's different from saying I'm going to choose a wider lens to show more of the room. So talk to me a little bit more about the thought process when it comes to lens selection. Yeah. I mean, every lens gives you a different feeling. Um, yeah. and like I said, we love the compression of the 70 to 200. 
Um, we actually just got, we have one of the new, the Canon 70 to 200 uh, version three that just <laughs> came out. Yeah. Out. Yeah. Rick's jealous. Cause technically right now that one's in my camera bag and he wants one. Um, it really, for something that on paper isn't that different than its predecessor, I think the image quality really is noticeable. Cool. Um, the difference. Um, Cause yeah, I think the main difference was just like a coating, a particular a coating on the glass. Um, it's yeah. so sharp. It's it's. Um, I mean, it was all inspiring when I put it on the <laughs> camera. It was like, holy cow! I can see that so well. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, so it's that's a really beautiful lens, and I love the image you get with it. And we even love wide shots on that lens. Lots of times yeah. we'll yeah. get a shot of the couple, you know, during portrait session where we'll back off a lot with the 70 to 200 and get a wide shot, but with a telephoto lens because of how much the couple really pops in the shot, um, pops on the background. But you also get a, you get a softer feel. Um, and I don't mean soft, like image wise. I mean like, you know, energy, energy. Yeah. It's, Mm. um, from a telephoto lens from being far back and, I do love the fact that you feel a bit more like you are observing. Like when people watch something through a telephoto lens, you are more of an observer. And I like that feeling because I think Hmm. people kind of forget they're seeing something through a camera. I think they become more um, sucked into the story when it's like, I I really am watching this day unfold. But there is an energy you get from being right up on someone with... Uh, a more wide angle lens. And I say wide angle, I know 50 is not wide angle, but 50, 35, 24, just getting right up there close to people. There's a certain energy that you pick up more than you would if you were framing something the exact same way from across the room. It really puts the viewer in that moment. Like, like they are in it, I think. Yeah. It's much more, it's much more intimate look, no doubt. And you're reminded of the camera more because people have a tendency to look at it more when you are, you know, a foot from their face or two feet from their face. But if there's a certain feeling you're going for, it's just a different energy. I mean, you know, we got a couple sequences where I was closer than I normally would be, but I knew this wedding party would have fun with it. And so the girls are popping champagne and drinking out of the bottle. I am right up in their faces. I think I was on a 35, might've been a 50. I'm not positive, but I mean, I am right there as they are just going to town, pouring champagne and screaming and laughing. And it's a completely different feeling than it would have yeah. been if I had been backed off um, telephoto, you know, getting the exact same framing, but it just leaves your viewers with a different, um, I guess, emotional response or reaction. Yeah, no doubt. It's like what, what I'll do is if I have kind of a more emotionally heavy thing, which is a lot of the stuff that I shoot and probably why I gravitate towards my 85 um, focal length so much, um, you know, on a micro four thirds, it's my, my like a 42 and a half millimeter. Um, I gravitate towards that kind of medium telephoto lens because of that, um, that, the way that it draws you into the story, the way that isolates the subject so much. But then when I'm having, trying to have fun at the reception and I'm in there uh, with the dance, like I'm going to get pretty close to the same uh, perspective by being super close, but I'm on my 12 millimeter. So it's a 24 equivalent. And yeah, it does. It completely changes the vibe. You feel like you're on the dance floor with them with that lens because I am. Um, and so it just has a, like you said, I love, yeah, what you said in terms of the energy is way different, you know, it's, it's a much more fun energy versus kind of a dramatic energy. Um, yeah, that's really good. Okay. Talk to me more about, um, gathering things on the wedding day that you feel like are, you know, so you've, you've gotten to know the couple, you know a bit about their story, you know kind of how their wedding day is going to unfold. What are you thinking about when you're gathering things? Um, you talked about kind of pre-ceremony. Maybe talk if there's anything you want to say about the ceremony specifically of what you're what you're doing to to gather those moments in special ways, thinking about I need to make sure that this goes into the edit. Um. 
we definitely have developed a rhythm over time. Um, and a lot of that does come from, you know, regularly working together. Um, there was a while there where we had multiple shooters, um, before Rick was full time with me. So the rhythm has gotten better over time. Um, Rick, like the whole point of this, you know, how much you figure out when you start editing. Once he joined me full time, that was one of the big changes was he could help with the edits now because he wasn't at work, um, you know, during the day, during the week. So one of our things was just figuring out um, kind of the in-between moments, learning to look for the stuff that's not always the action. And that's something, um, you know, a lot of this is stuff we learned back when we did news, journalism as well, and you have to remember to apply these things. But action, reaction, mm-hmm. don't just look for the action, look for the reaction. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it's not just the couple at the altar. It's the family watching. And that's one of um, Rick's designated responsibilities. We run five cameras during a ceremony. So we have several angles. I am in charge of three main angles. And I'm constantly adjusting those. But that's to give Rick more time once his main shot is set. Yeah, then I take... um, Basically, it's, you know, just uh, 100. And I'll shimmy up to the front, get the parents watching, get the grandparents watching, um, you know, and then at different moments, you know, you can kind of tell when the the minister or the officiant is going to say, you know, there's telling a story that is going to be funny. So I want to get shots of, you know, the crowd watching and laughing and, you know, and sometimes, you know, you you can see somebody when you're doing that during certain circumstances, you know, pick up a tissue, you know, and try to get, you know, someone wiping that tear away, you know, is really is really what I do most of the time during the yeah. ceremony. Uh, yeah. I, I'm just sniping people, you know, trying to find facial reactions, you know, smiles, laughter, tears, whatever it is that can, you know, push along, you know, that emotion that's being uh, displayed during the ceremony. And right before the ceremony starts too, mm-hmm. yeah. we, you know, got a system where typically I'm the one setting up audio, getting all the cameras ready, putting in cards, putting in batteries while he's shooting people arriving and, I mean, sometimes that footage is, eh, it just depends. If you're in a venue that maybe doesn't have the prettiest entryway and um, you don't have live instruments, sometimes it's, you know, there's a few shots. Um, but other times that can be really awesome footage when you have people, guests arriving at a beautiful location through a forest or down mm. a stairway onto a beach and, uh, you know, a string quartet. And so um, that stuff, too, is one of those things that over the years you learn it's not just the ceremony, it's all the stuff. Well, it's like we taught in the retreat last year. You know, those are those are valley moments to get you to the peak. Um, mm-hmm. It just helps push that story along of, you know, okay, people are arriving for the ceremony. Um, try to make them as creative as possible to make it appealing to the viewer. But those, those moments are necessary to get you to the next big moment uh, in your edit. Hmm. Yeah. I love that. I, I really enjoyed, um, I don't know how long ago it was, probably a year ago or more, you guys came down to my neck of the woods and I got to handle a live stream for y'all and just watch, you know, the way that y'all worked uh, a ceremony. And I thought it was so interesting uh, watching you do that, Rick, watching you kind of sniping for those moments, but also uh, looking at the way that you were collecting audio was really fun. Like I remember there was a, I can't remember if it was a string quartet or there was some sort of live music going on during the ceremony. And, uh, you know, I remember that it was, I think it was acoustic because, uh, it wasn't, I don't think it was going through the DJ soundboard. So I remember you guys set up like a, what was it like a H2 or something? Yeah. yeah. H2N um, or yeah. Or no, it was just yeah. the H2. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, yeah, it was just a, yeah, y'all had set up a, set up a recorder over there to record that audio crisp and clean. And I could see y'all had like several different ones around in different spots as well. I guess just collecting ambient audio. Is that right? Yeah. So when, you know, the crowd applauds when they're pronounced and, um, this, that one obviously was a little different, uh, backstory. Major thunderstorm came through. Yeah, that was, that was insane. Oh my gosh. I remember the crazy, and it was downtown. This is that crazy 
clap of thunder and it just echoed everywhere because we were on a rooftop downtown, a like sort of partially covered rooftop. And that thunder just echoed on those buildings like crazy. This is the loudest noise I've ever heard, maybe. It sounded like a bomb went off. Yeah, that one was nuts. So, But honestly, I mean, that even, you know, we used some of the uh, rain ambient captured right. from the, the zooms. Um, yeah, so we had a recorder going for a feed. We had the zooms going for ambient uh, mics on the rabbi, the couple. Um, yeah, quite a bit. And and you, you saw something in that one that's not normal, too, because of I what did. ended up happening, um, how they were moved from under the OPA and put, like, surrounded by people. With um, black holding, umbrellas. Yeah, with umbrellas and everything. <laughs> and so we spent a good portion, uh, we kind of took turns, but spent a good portion of that ceremony in the crowd of, what, 10, 14 yeah, like people that. that was surrounding the couple, shooting handheld, literally, you know, five feet from their faces. Uh, yeah. Because yeah. our 70 to 200 shots from the side had nothing. We were like, I, I don't know. And the photographer was the same way. At one point, we're shoulder to shoulder. And she was like, I swear I never do this. I was like, we don't either. We never stand this close to the couple during the ceremony. But You really didn't have much of a choice. I mean, that's I would have done the same thing. I've only done that at one wedding before. And it was a Nigerian wedding where... I don't know if you've ever done a Nigerian wedding, but everybody just runs up to the front and people are walking around talking on their cell phones. And it's just, it's kind of, it feels like chaos if you're not used to that culture, which I wasn't. And so eventually I was like, all right, well, I guess I'm going handheld and I'm just going to go stand right on the, on the stage, you know? Um, Cause otherwise I was just going to get the backs of people's heads. So fun times. That one was crazy. And we'll be back. Uh, soon to your neck of the woods to do that oh, right nice. sister's wedding so yeah we'll have to catch up again yeah for sure um cool so anything else you want to say about the ceremony not ceremony specifically um when you were mentioning pre-ceremony i did think of one other thing and i don't know if this is going to kind of overlap into um where we were going next but just talking again about how much editing teaches you about shooting hmm I can tell you, I just within, I don't know, the first couple years of our business um, came a long way. Because when we first started out, I had this feeling that I always need to be shooting whatever the bride is doing. Rick was with the groom, I was with the bride, and I always need to be shooting what she's doing. And so if she's getting her hair done, I am shooting her getting her hair done. And we weren't as efficient because there was that feeling of I always need to be, you know, glued to shooting whatever's going on with this person. And I had more footage than you would know what to do with of brides getting their hair done. Yeah. I was just overshooting um, certain things because I felt like that's what I needed to do. And mm. over time learned you start to figure out a rhythm, not just in your shooting, but in your editing. And you start to realize, I only need so much of this. I only need this shot, this shot. Um, and so then I learned to take, you know, use that time more to my advantage, get a few shots I need, but now I'm going to go shoot some details. And now I'm going to shoot the building. And if we're in a place where it's all happening in the same location, I'm going to tag team something with Rick. And then he's going to do the same with me. And we're going to shoot some setup of the ceremony or, you know, we learned it's okay to break away as long as you know you're not going to miss something crucial. And we still try to stay close in case just some fun moment happens with the wedding party or whatever. Um, but yeah, one of the biggest things that you can learn about shooting from your editing is how much do you really need of any given thing. And once you start to get a, a better rhythm down, you learn when you can break away and you get better at time management on the wedding day because there's not this feeling of, I have to be glued to the bride the whole time, or I have to be glued to the groom the whole time and get everything that's happening with them. Yeah. I think that's really helpful advice because how much time does that save on the back end when you've sort of pre-selected, edited in your head, what actually is valuable to be in the edit and what's not? I think that's incredibly helpful. Um, also, I think along with that, and I'm sure this is kind of in y'all's mindset as well is to be just sort of observant in those moments, not feel like like you can be there with your camera 
and the camera doesn't have to be rolling. You can just sort of stand and observe and just kind of take everything in and try to decide as you're observing, as you're being present in the moment, what's what's there that's helpful, um, that's going to uh, be helpful in, in telling the story and what's not and, and really kind of just editing in your head um, with what's going on in the room. Yeah, exactly. And finding creative shots too. I think lots of times we find our most creative shots when preps aren't rushed, when we're just kind of hanging out and it's like, wow, check out that, that reflection. Wow. Look at that awesome angle. Mm -hmm. Um, which that's a lot of that leads into what we're actually going to be talking about in our session at the retreat is, you know, how to document basically a live event, an unscripted event, um, as creatively as possible and overcoming the challenges of a live event and how to be, how to get creative while still being a certain amount of hands off. Um, I know everyone has their own level of how much they want to interject themselves into a wedding day. Um, we prefer to be pretty hands off. We're not completely fly on the wall. We talk with our couple, we laugh, we have fun. We will say, please be in the good light, you know, for putting your dress on, for getting your makeup done. But other than that, you know, we're not really doing a lot of posing, um, a lot of controlling. So the more time you have, like you said, even if you're not rolling, the more time you have to just kind of observe the scene. Um, typically the more creative shots you can find too. You know, when you're in that moment where you're looking for, you know, different creative shots, try to change your level of eye too. There was, mm. we were shooting a uh, wedding in Cleveland um, months ago and I was just setting up some detail shots and he had, my groom had some cufflinks that were, looked like they were black onyx. There wasn't anything special. It was just silver with, you know, black stone in the middle. And I just sat them down there and I was kneeling on the, by the table. And I noticed that in the reflection of the black onyx, I could see the window mm. uh, that was behind me. And I thought, wow, now how can I use this? And so I put on our, you know, the hundred, which is my macro lens. So I could get as close to those cufflinks as I wanted. And I had the groom put his shirt on by that window, but I shot it (laughs) in the cufflinks and it really turned out to be a really cool shot. And if I hadn't been down there looking, you know, and it was all by accident, but still it's, it's one of those things that, you know, if you, if you start to change your mindset, which I need to do more, because Sarah (laughs) does it a lot, you know, yeah. looking for those reflection shots, looking for something that is not visible just by the glance. Right. Um, you really get some really cool shots. Yeah. I get a lot of funny looks from people. They're like, can we help you with something? Are you looking for something? Cause I've like got my head down on a glass table or whatever. And I'm, like, oh, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just looking for reflections. You're good. And they're like, are you? Yeah. I get a lot of funny looks <laughs> during preps. <laughs> Sarah sees yeah. dead people. So she's just <laughs> communicating. Well, they will all understand once they see your amazing film. So it all works out. <laughs> uh, that's so cool. I love that story um, because it is, there, there is so much value and just, yeah, like you said, slowing down, observing, looking from different angles. My like, you know, there's, there's these rules of composition in the textbooks, right? If, if I had one rule of composition, it would be simply like, get a different perspective from how we normally observe the world, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that, that one rule sort of encompasses all the other rules. You know, we normally see things from, uh, you know, somewhere between five foot and six foot five, if you're Rick, you know, um, and, uh, you know, see things kind of, we look directly at what we're looking at. So everything is in the center focus And, and so, you know, by just changing those few things up, just having that mindset of, I'm going to look at things differently from how I would normally observe them. That completely opens up your mindset to get much more creative shots that you're going to be so much happier with in the edit. So helpful tips, good stuff guys. So this is something that, um, uh, is, I think always some of the most fun stuff for people is after the ceremony, if we get some alone time with our couples, um, is there anything that you want to say about that time where we've got, you've got just the two of them together, um, in terms of, because you guys 
to me, you guys are just at the, the very, the very top of the pyramid when it comes to storytelling in our industry. And so I'm curious what your thoughts are about that time where you've got the couple together and how what you do with them is shaped by the story that you've learned about them up until this point. We do try to find out if they're more the kind of couple who wants like super romantic or more fun, laughy, you know, talking, chatting together. Um, I'll be completely honest though. Uh, Portrait time is one of those things that I'm constantly trying to improve because we, uh, again, are pretty hands off. And usually, um, you know, we don't request like a specific amount of time just to us. As long as the photographer plays nice, we're like, hey, the pose looks great. We just need them to kind of laugh and talk with each other. Um, You know, we do try certain things about saying something to whisper in the other one's ear and stuff that'll actually get a genuine reaction. Um versus just saying, okay, now kind of move. Cause then it just looks awkward. They don't know what to do. Um, for a while there, I had a go-to, but I've had to stop doing it because I am, I'm dating myself. I'm showing how old I am. Um, Rick was like, yeah, most of our couples have no idea what you're talking about. Do you know the movie while you were sleeping with Sandra Bullock? Well, I, I know it, but I, I don't think don't I like know my heart. Well, there's a line in there. What Rick's Nothing, laughing about? Oh. Um, there's a line in there talking about leaning. One of the guys is saying something like, "Are you sure you're okay?" Because he looked like he was, you know, leaning. And it's this whole thing about like, I'm not just talking with you. I'm that whole. I'm kind of leaning into you, trying to kind of get in your personal space, like not really yeah. hitting on you, but leaning. So there's this whole thing about leaning in that movie. And so when we'd pose our couples, we would joke about that scene. And tell the groom, you know, so you're leaning. That's the thing is you're, you know, we're not looking for you to like totally make out, but we, you know, get in there close. Like you're interested. Like I'm yeah. so into you. Don't just stand here stiff. But at some point that line stopped working because people yeah. were yeah. like, I, I don't know that movie or what are you talking about? When we first yeah. started out, they knew it. They're like, oh my gosh, I love that movie. I love that scene. <laughs> but yeah, that doesn't work for us anymore. So, um, but yeah, I, I know I got a little off topic there. So, well, no, we're still talking. Rick's nodding and laughing. and oh. <laughs> it's, the yeah. how, it's the how you doing. Yeah, uh, how lean. you doing. It is. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. That's going to go away soon, too, you know? That's true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. At some point, they're going to be like, what? How I'm going to try doing? my hardest to keep it alive, though. Yeah. Well, Friends is on Netflix now, so yeah, maybe, maybe it'll have a resurgence. Yeah, that's working in our favor. Awesome. So uh, this would be an interesting thing because I noticed in some of your films that you do include uh, like some of the cocktail hour stuff. So what's y'all's balance like? Because typically cocktail hour happens at the same time that the couple shoot um, is happening. Are y'all splitting time there? Um, are you is, is one going with the couple and one going cocktail hour? How do y'all do that? Um. We do have a fair amount of weddings where the couple does a first look. And so if that happens, then um, unless it's, you know, some gorgeous sunset moment that we couldn't have caught earlier, uh, lots of times post ceremony, Rick is on a cocktail hour and I'm on details of the reception. Mm -hmm. Um, If they don't see each other before, we need to shoot with the couple after we um, let all our couples know we care more about people than about things. And so if, if something has to be sacrificed, it's going to be the empty room detail shots. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know a lot of people don't like cocktail hour. We love it because that's when you get a lot of people um, in their most genuine reactions. Because a wedding day is not typical. You know, as much as we want to capture people and, um, you know, to use a catchphrase, authentic and authentic moments... Most people, it's it's a dinner. It's dinner and dancing. Um, and when you want people just hanging out and laughing and hugging, usually cocktail hour is the best time to get that. So we'll shoot a lot um, of people mingling. And if we need to shoot the couple during that time, then we'll do that and sacrifice detail shots if we have to. If it's If it's a true cocktail hour, as in it really is an hour, usually we don't have to sacrifice anything. Usually we can get what we need of all three of those things. But 
you know, there are the occasional weddings where cocktail hour, quote unquote, is like 25 minutes long. And then it's a little harder. And usually we just let them know we'll be shooting you guys and your cocktail hour more than like empty room details. Um, And the people who gravitate toward our work typically are good with that. They, they care more about a shot of grandma than um, details. Sorry. I think UPS just, (laughs) just left something on the front porch. Rick ordered that new lens for himself. (laughs) But yeah, so, and even with, Portrait session. A lot of the couples who hire us, which I love this personality in terms of personality. It does make it tough sometimes in terms of the edit, but most of the couples who book us also don't want a super long portrait session. They aren't doing this. They don't want their video to be just a ton of footage of the two of them. They care more about the people and the day and a recording you know, a true recording of the day versus more styling, Hmm. you know, of moments of photo shoot kind of moments. Um, And so, you know, there are definitely times where we would like um, more shots of our couples in like a really creative environment and a super cool location. Um, But yeah, most of the people who hire us, it's like, I don't even, we, I mean, we've had a lot of couples who are like, telling their photographer even you can get a couple shots of the family just to get the typical family shots but we don't even want a portrait session we want to hang out at our wedding Hmm. so that tends to be our our typical client we had a gorgeous wedding in nantucket several years ago and the couple was supposed to do a big photo session on the beach after the ceremony there was a big downtime um Mm -hmm. everyone was going to like play croquet while the couple did this photo session and the couple's like, nope, we don't want to do it. We just want to chill. We want to go chill for an hour. We don't want anyone to go with us. Just go shoot the croquet. Um, and it was a struggle for the photographer even. Yeah. Um, one shot of the couple. Like if wow. she had no portrait of the couple and at some point had to beg them, like, can I at least get one portrait of the two of you? Yeah. And so I think we had a sequence of two, maybe three shots of the couple barely willing to pose Wow. Um, in a 20 minute long film. That's crazy. But yeah, that's because that's those are the couples we get a lot. They're like, I just yeah. want to have fun and enjoy my day. And I don't care about a ton of shots of us, you know, walking through a field or walking on a cliff or whatever. So from an artistic standpoint, sometimes that can be frustrating. But from a people standpoint, um, you know, it, it's nice that we get these couples who are super chill and and are really focused on their friends and family. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it. it that doesn't surprise me, um, you know, seeing y'all's work because it is so story driven and y'all are so great at including not just the couple in the story, but so many other of the key players who are going to help tell that story. It's much more of a, um, I guess, sort of a theme that I notice in your in your films often is like these two families coming together, not just the couple. Um, and so y'all really utilizing all those players makes sense that you would attract more of those those couples so so along that vein then um and uh i'm gonna skip the reception stuff um because i i want to uh honor y'all's time here and and stick to an hour but i want to hear more about what you're doing in the um in sort of the the story formative parts of the edit so um you know you you've experienced the full wedding day and you sort of know what the different pieces are that you have that can that can really sort of um mold the story together talk to me through that aspect of things of what you're doing in the edit to begin to to shape that story into what you want it to be um i know there are differing opinions on this, but like for us, every edit starts with sound. Um, Cause I know there are some people who pretty much, you know, lay down all the visual stuff they want to incorporate and make the music, make sound effects, make whatever fit that we're complete opposite. We start with toast, vows, officiant story, letters, whatever audio we've captured. Um, we are 
going through that first, culling through it, listening to the sound bites, um, we know are worth including. Then it comes down to what can fit, um, what plays off of another bite well. Like, does this toast lead into this part of the vows well? Um, you know, looking for things that truly string together a story if we can. If several people reference the same thing, that's one of our favorite things when we've got you know, something in vows and something in toast and something in a letter that all line up to the same story. Um, and it's a little bit like, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but uh, a lot of improv troops, a lot of improv groups had a game that they would do where like certain, you know, they'd have to keep picking new words to finish what the next, what the previous person started. They're making a story, but not knowing what direction it's going to go. Cause each person is saying the next word. Um, we love it when we can do that with audio from a wedding, when it's like mm. what this person said just leads into this really well, which leads yeah. into this yeah. really well. So we're trying to find the best way to string things together. Um, and then, you know, keeping music in mind too. Um, do I pick an instrumental song or something with vocals? Um, do I, you know, based on how much audio I have, I want to fit in. Or do I need a breather? And if I need a moment to breathe, lots of times I want a song with vocals. Um, but yeah, it's very, we're very driven by audio as we sit down to do an edit. Yeah. What does, um, what does that look like? Because I, I know that, uh, Sarah, I, th I think I understand that you kind of do, um, probably the majority of the editing, but Rick, you're still involved in that process, right? So what is, what does that look like between the two of you guys? Well, I take all the, the clips that we have uh, before Sarah sees it and I categorize them in different, uh, different places throughout a time, you know, throughout the project, different um, timelines, different timelines throughout the project. And um, I just cut everything up. I take out movement. I take, I, I put the best shots possible from all the clips that we have. Um, put them, you know, in their, in the beauty spot or the romantic spot or the prep spot. Um, I sync up all the audio that needs to be synced, ceremony, first look, toasts, you know, whatever, whatever we've run audio on and video on at the same time that gets synced up. And, uh, I basically cut through all that, do all the doc edits. And when I'm done with that, then I hand it to Sarah for the magic. She does all the, <laughs> the, uh, the storytelling and all that kind of good stuff and makes it, uh, look as good as it does. Yeah, that's a great dynamic because um, I think that oftentimes where people who are um, you know so creatively driven by the story like you are, Sarah, you would probably uh, really get bogged down in that work that Rick does for you and would feel overwhelming. I know it would. That part of it would be to me. I remember. Um, you know, th that's kind of the biggest thing that I handed off at, at the beginning when I first started hiring editors was saying, I need you to do all this stuff so I can come in and like, be like, okay, here's the pieces. And then I can begin to put this together. So, um, yeah, anything that can feel like it's, um, you know, that, that daunting, it's, it's kind of like the empty page syndrome for writers, right? You know, you, you see the empty page and you're just staring at it blankly and you don't know what the first word you put down is having someone kind of throw all this stuff together. I think, boy, that's gotta be super helpful to you. Yeah. Cause it, before Rick joined me full time, I did everything. I mean, he helped me shoot whenever he could, but anything else that was all on me. Um, and it is nice now to not feel the weight of so much, um, so much. It's very time consuming work and it's very important work. Um, but yeah, it's when you know you've got um, a day or two of calling through footage ahead of you, it can make you just like, I just want to get to the creative part. I just want to um, start putting, you know, doing the fun stuff and uh, at some point, hopefully we're both doing that. Um, uh, but this, you know, we've been trying to figure out what's the best system, um, working yeah. Rick into being full time with me, which I mean, it's been a couple of years now. Um, but yeah, definitely figuring out a system instead of just haphazardly. All right, you're working on this wedding and I'm working on this wedding 
or, you know, whatever, like, instead of just each of us just doing a bunch of different things, having a system definitely um, helps having a process. Well, I think having a system where both of your eyes are on it, because again, like, I feel like I've been a broken record with this, but like seeing the work that you're doing in the edit shapes the way you do the next shoot as well. You know, you're like, oh, okay, I I, whether it's like technical things that you miss, you know, if you didn't have the exposure exactly where you wanted it or you missed focus, it just sort of brings your attention back to those things when you go to the next shoot. Um, but also from the aspect of, you know, you're digging through and you're like, oh man, I wish I had a shot like this because that would support the story better. That again, puts those things into your mind so that the next time you're out on that shoot, you know, I got to get a shot like that because last time I was kicking myself cause I missed it. So I think that aspect of things is so beneficial and it's something that's really a challenge for a studio like mine where, you know, we have, um, you know, only a couple of people that are involved in the edit and, you know, a dozen people that are involved in the shooting. And so we try to combat that by just having our editors send out, um, you know, sort of a cold, a, a short little cold video of that person's shooting to say, okay, here's what you're doing well. Here's what we need to improve on, and also make sure that you're getting these things. So having having detailed notes on a regular basis for our shooters is super helpful because they miss out on the editing aspect of that, which is so beneficial. So it's definitely not the same. Um, but it, it's kind of the best that we can do, uh, and given kind of our, our model, but yeah, if, if that's not your model, man, it's just so beneficial to have your, have your eyes on things. So that's awesome. And if you can do that with your second shooter too, super beneficial. Yeah. I definitely think that my shooting got better when I started seeing my own footage because before when it was just Sarah by herself, I would shoot and that'd be the last thing I saw of it until it was, you know, the, the, highlight, yeah. the finished product. <laughs> and I'd go back to doing what I was, you know, my own job. Uh, but when you sit down and look at stuff, there were several times when <laughs> there'd be a, a few choice words coming from my office and Sarah would be like, what's wrong? And I was like, well, I didn't hold the shot long enough, you know, cause it's this or that, or I don't, I needed to do this and I didn't get that shot. And so it really helped, you know, the first first few times and even still today when you go through I still find things to think about when I, I'm looking at something man I should have I should have gotten that shot you know along with this one because it would have worked well that kind of thing so being able to have your editors or your shooters see the footage that they shoot is so beneficial and not just see it but have to yeah work have to with work it with in it, some yeah. capacity because that's I mean there I remember um there were a couple times where I had said to him something about first dance I, I need you're still not doing first dance the way I want you to. You're still not quite getting the angles or the shots that I'm envisioning. Um, or you're, you know, I was telling him things. And of course it's always hard for anyone to be critiqued. You really have to be open to it, but he truly was in a place of, I, I don't know. I don't understand Well, I don't understand. I feel like I'm, I was like, or I remember one of the things was you're not moving fast enough. You are taking way too long to set shots. Hmm. You've got to get it quicker. You're, you're adjusting focus way too long. And he, and for him, it was like, it's, it didn't, he didn't realize how long it really was taking. And the first time he sat down, um, to edit a first dance, he just, it was kind of funny, actually. I, he works in our office and I typically edit in our living room. So we're across the house from each other. And he, without saying anything else, he just comes walking in the living room and goes, I get it. And walks out. That's all it was. <laughs> he said, I get it and walked off. And I had to go. I was like, wait, you get what? And he's like, I'm cutting a first dance. I, I get it now. I'm, I'm taking forever to set this shot. And it's like, dude, you had it. Stop adjusting focus. Stop adjusting. Um, so there's so much more you realize about yeah. your shooting when you have to edit. And even if your shooters aren't going to be editors, um, if you ever have the time and can pay them for a day or two, I guess, extra work, I would still say force each one of them to sit down and at least go through their footage just once. Cause yeah, it makes a big difference. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt. Yeah. That's, that's very good. Very good advice. I think that's one of the things that people 
can't realize until the edit is the little the little tinkering with things, the tinkering with the focus, the tinkering with the exposure. It's like, well, now there's a huge chunk of time that I can't use at all from that. If you just left it alone, like it was good enough, uh, you know, so don't don't touch the camera, you know. <laughs> You've got uh, the shot. Now hold the shot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Well, we are up here on the hour, but uh, is there anything else that you guys have to say about all this? Man, I feel like we hit a lot of good stuff. Um, I agree. Yeah, I mean, this is one of those topics I can talk on for a long time, but no, we hit a lot of key points, so. Awesome. Well, if you are still listening here, uh, again, I highly encourage you to go over and check out the Wedding Film Retreat. What's What's the website on that? weddingfilmretreat.com that's what I was thinking but wanted to double check we'll definitely put that in the show notes as well and uh, yeah thanks again guys this has been awesome thanks Jordan we appreciate it the Wedding Film Academy podcast is produced by Taylor Juarez if you found this episode helpful be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show and help us out by leaving a 5 star review on iTunes and when you're done head on over to weddingfilmacademy.org to chat with our other wedding filmmakers like yourself in the comments section. Until next time, keep making movie magic.